Hello and welcome to another special episode of the We Are CCA podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jake Ramsey, and today we are again talking about careers. We're doing another special edition, career edition podcast. Looking forward to it. Always, as always, for these uh, episodes, I have my co-host with me, Ian. Say hello, Ian. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Ian, why don't you go ahead and do a sort of an introduction of our guest today? Sure. I don't even think I can do it justice. Um, Today we have with us Mr. Bill Apter. Um, Bill is... Oh, wow. He's a, Bill, geez, um, you're a pro wrestling journalist. You're a, you know, YouTube, all over YouTube, you tweet, you, um, you're in the pro wrestling hall of fame. I mean, you're everywhere. Actually, 13, 13 wrestling hall of fame. 13. Thank you very much for, first of all, for, um, having me on here. I'm, I'm quite honored. Um, Ian and I worked for many years together at AHEAD. Um, where we were part of the team uh, helping persons with disabilities to find successful community employment. Not like, oh, you have a disability? McDonald's is right down there. Just wipe some tables and you're hired. Uh, Getting people jobs that are, even though McDonald's is a good employer, but getting people jobs uh, with what you want to do. I want to do data entry. I want to do, uh, um, I want to be an administrative assistant, but I have a disability. So let's go after it. You have the talent. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's make your dreams come true. But for the past 50 years, I've been the most recognizable um, print media person in the entire world of uh, pro wrestling, WWE, uh, AEW, WCW, I mean, you just all these and all the independent companies. Um, I've got 35,000 Twitter followers and a YouTube channel, onewrestlingvideo.com. And uh, uh, I started off doing working at the magazines. And when all the magazines crashed because of that wonderful thing called the internet, I now do it online. So, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. How did you start in the career of journalism? Well, it's it's, it's a very unusual story because how I got started uh, is something that it would be very difficult for people to do today. Um, Back when I first started, there was no internet at all. Oh, my God. Yes, you mailed a letter and you had to wait two weeks for somebody to mail it back to you. I was a, a, a big fan of pro wrestling when I was a kid. And I started writing a, uh, a newsletter uh, when I was in uh, junior high school, typing it all out using carbon paper and making three or four copies and passing them out to all my friends. So that started the writing thing going on. Um, my uncle was a photography aficionado. He used a camera with this weird thing called film in it. And uh, he taught me how to develop film uh, in his bathroom. He had a dark room there. So I learned how to do that um, as well. So I started buying the the uh, uh, collecting magazines. My two favorite genres were, there was one magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland. It was all about horror movies. And the other one was, a magazine called Wrestling Review. And um, I bought the magazines. And eventually, uh, I knew that I wanted to do something in the pro wrestling business, not to be a a wrestler. So um, I started buying the magazines. And when I was going to wrestling shows, I would take a little Instamatic film camera with me and run down from the bleacher seats to the ring, take a quick picture, get yelled out by one of the guards and run back. And uh, I started adding those to my fan club bulletins that I was giving out in school. So um, my the this all will blend together, I promise you. So my yeah, other sure. interest, my other interest was I wanted to be a broadcaster. So a friend and I bought some time on a local New York radio station. I'm a New Yorker living in Pennsylvania for the past 28 years. I love it here. I love it here. So um, I started uh, sending some of these pictures 
into the wrestling magazine and became familiar with the, the editor became familiar with me nagging him. Um, and uh, I was too young for him to hire me, but he would send me letters back, you know, keep in touch, keep in touch. And eventually um, I bought time on a bigger New York radio station, had a sponsor, my father's chiropractor. Um, and uh, I started uh, to go to the wrestling shows and I finally met one of the promoters and told him that I do this fan club bullet and I'd like to come down and interview some of the wrestlers. So he let me do it. Wow. And my father came with me and shot pictures of me interviewing the wrestlers and I sent them to the magazine and the editor of the magazine said, how do you get down to the dressing room? And that put the key in the ignition. The, uh, the, uh, the editor of the magazine asked to meet me. We met in New York City at the old Biltmore Hotel at the Men's Grill. And he was, t- he, is very, he was very sarcastic. He told me, you're too nice to the waiters. This is how he was like. No, he, was, he was very nice to everybody. But he, so we talked, and he brought me on to his office in Rockville Center, New York, three days a week, filing pictures and writing a, col- a wrestling column. At that time, he was doing four wrestling magazines, four boxing magazines, which included the heralded uh, Ring magazine. Um, And he started reading my writing. And he came over to me. He says, you don't know how to write, do you? Because I was not a trained writer. I said, well, he said, you're using big words. This is not the way you speak. He says, if I can hear your voice in what you write, then your writing is horrible. So I changed my whole feel of, feel of what I was writing because I was trying to be, I figured you're a writer, you have to use big words and be intelligent. But then I started writing as I speak. And fans started, he gave me a monthly column, fans started to understand. And we're talking about not just the basic wrestling fan, on the street, but well-educated, college, collegiate people, we like your style of writing because we can hear your voice. So the most important thing that I found out in the 50 years that I have been doing this is that if you're going to write and have a career, you need to be your own individual personality and let people who you're writing for hear your voice. Not like, well, I've got to be intelligent enough to write this. If you have a great vocabulary, that's great. But if that's not who you are in terms of writing, in my book, that's not the way to go. Bill, Bill, I have two questions. Um, number number two first, please. Yeah, you want the second one first? Okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, why? What? Why pro wrestling? Why? What about pro wrestling sort of captured your? you know, fascination and your sort of drive to want to pursue a career working with that industry. I passed the TV once a week when my older brother was watching wrestling. And then he, he didn't, he'd have me come up into the bedroom and he, we, two of us would stand on opposite ends of the bed. He'd say, move over a little bit to the left. No, a little bit to the right. Then he'd yell, drop kick and he'd flying drop kick me off the bed. So we got to do our little wrestling thing. But what it was, was the TV product first grabbed me because it was back then, it was not uh, sports entertainment like it is today. Back then it was, people viewed it with, you know, people said, yeah, this stuff must be fixed or broken or, or fake. But that's title of my book is Wrestling Fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Um, so I looked at it as a sport because I wasn't into baseball. I wasn't into football, which to the chagrin of my father, who was a uh, Sandlot umpire. Um, so the one-on-one competition and the feuds intrigued me to see a bad guy against a good guy and the bad guy trying to beat the good guy. And then going to the shows at Madison Square Garden with 18,000 screaming fans it just swept me away it's just like people today will get involved in uh in a sport that just kind of absorbs you and takes you in wrestling became that passion and little by little um from the the before i get to question number two 
the writing end was also joined by the photography end when my the teachings of my uncle of how to develop pictures when my boss went away to Greece for three weeks on a vacation and freelance photographers were sending in stories and and pictures I went into his dark room without permission and developed the film when he came back there were 60 rolls of film hanging up in his bathroom over the uh, over the shower there so the the other point about this is if you want to be a journalist and a writer don't just plug yourself into that one piece of journalism journalism involves writing it involves telling words with pictures as well so that's just uh another tip but yeah wrestling just caught my fancy and uh uh, I'm going to be much older in, in several weeks, and uh, I've been I've been following wrestling since I was oh, maybe 10 or 12 years old, and through all the different challenges and changes in the business from where it became territorial pro wrestling to what's now coined sports entertainment, I'm still in love with it, and I'm still doing it, and I'm still writing about it on my on the website I work for, and I'm still doing. Uh, Video. And by the way, that's another thing with, with today's social media, you can write, but what's great to get your writing out there is open up a YouTube channel, talk about what you're writing, where people can find it and let them actually hear your voice. Yeah. Not just read your words, but let them develop uh, an opportunity to hear your voice. Journalism isn't just writing like it once was. It involves so much, so many different facets of uh, social media these days. So, yeah, you, you talked about developing, you know, as a writer, sort of developing a voice and being able to per, sort of project your personality within the words that you're writing. Um, how how do you do that? Like how how is that skill developed? Is that something that can be taught in the classroom or is that just putting pen to paper and figuring it out? Well, it's no longer pen to paper. It's now getting the keyboard, uh, yeah. you know, in front of you. Welcome to the 21st century. Yeah, no, but back when I started, it was typewriter. And what I would do when I was writing, I'd put some paper and roll it in, type, and then after two or three sentences, if I didn't like it, tear it up, throw it in the garbage pan, starting in the garbage can, not the pan, uh, and start all over again. Uh, it's each individual has to develop what their personality as a writer is and try and get that across as a writer. I don't think that can be taught. I could be wrong because I know that from looking at some online writing classes uh, that people have invited me to, the professor, the teacher, or whoever is up there is pretty much showing you how to structure your writing now my writing is totally different structure my book that is let me see how many pages my book is and uh my book is 280 pages okay and they assigned ecw press which is a uh, canadian publishing company offered me uh the deal to write this book because of uh who i am in the wrestling business um and they made sure to, to, they hired an editor to work with me. And the editor said, I don't want to talk to you about the way you're doing this. I'm just going to clean up the grammar if necessary. I'm going to polish it. Okay. So the way I did this was put the words down on paper. He didn't change very much. I, I'm a comma maniac. I may have over And I think Ian used to see this in my uh, did, yeah. quite a bit. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, uh, teaching writing is a skill to show you again how to structure um, and do other things with writing. But it can't teach you to use your voice. I think that's something that comes from from you from inside. So for for a student, say you know, say you're talking with a teenager that you know they they want to be a writer and they want to make a career out of that. Um, 
Don't do it. Get a job. <laughs> We're recruiting it ahead. No. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it would your advice be just to write well, as wait, much as wait, possible? Wait, wait. I, I was being silly there, but something yeah. came into my head there is a, being a writer as a career is like these days, because it's so competitive due to the internet, mm-hmm. everybody blogging and writing is. While you're trying to do this, you need to support yourself just like an actor needs to do, or an actress, a performer, is make sure you can support yourself while you're trying to apply a full-time career um, as a writer. I'm sorry, to go back to your thought. I, that just popped No, right. I, No, I, I think that from you know when you're talking with a stu- you know a student from a student perspective they say that you know they want to be a writer they want to do you know pursue a career in journalism or you know, something where they you know be an author um mm-hmm. you know they they can take all the english classes they want they can be a you know a, lit- um, a literature major and and do learn all the theories and the way to structure and and all those things but actually being able to project your voice to your readers I would think that that's something that is just developed through practice. Well, that's the other thing I want to Right, 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 right. The only exercise, the only way to do this is, just as you said, write, write, write. Don't stop writing. It's, for example, Ian knows that I love to sing. Every night down here in Aptor's Alley, where I am here, I have a singing machine. Every night I come down here for an hour and I sing. Why? Because I like to do it. And I had part of my career doing that in the entertainment industry. But this is something that just like writing or anything else that you have a passion that you want to move forward with is if you want to write, 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 write. If you want to sing, 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 sing. If you want to mentor people, go out there and mentor people. Um, It's whatever that passion is. You have to keep doing it. But if you let yourself go like, well, start a blog. It's so easy these days. So you just go to GoDaddy.com. Make yourself a website. It doesn't cost anything. Write. Then get yourself. This is amazing that at my age, I tell people I'm self-taught with this thing. Get yourself a blog. Get yourself a Twitter account. Get yourself a Facebook account just for your writing just for your writing and start getting out there because mm-hmm. some, you never know who's going to see you. Well, I think you bring up a really good point. On a website that writes about a specific genre might just say, Hey, this, why don't we bring this guy up? My nephew is a, his name is Scott Engel. He's one of the premier fantasy sports writers in the world, in the world. How did he get to do this? He kept nagging and showing people what he could do. And eventually they grabbed onto him. Because you also have to show as a writer, a photographer, or anything else you want to do, a real passion for doing this. Well, I want to write, but I want to make a lot of money. So that part, too, I never, would never tell anybody. I want to write. I have passion for writing. Things have to happen naturally where people offer things to you. I think you're bringing up a really good point there, too, Bill. Like, I mean, you've been in the industry where it is all paper, that in the metal magazine right. industry yeah. died and then went online. Yeah. Um, even the online stuff, some of that then failed. Um, you know, now you have, you know, YouTube, Twitter, you know, all the social media is there and throughout all that, you've still been writing and in the, in, yeah. in the industry, yeah. you know, working on journalism, well, you've been doing it the entire let time. Let me just interject something. Okay. And mm-hmm. I'm glad you just brought this up. Yeah. With the death of most of the pro wrestling magazines, the company I worked for did 14 pro wrestling magazines, 14 of them, yes. and a weekly newsletter. Holy we had deadlines literally every day, and the magazines were distributed worldwide, okay? That industry died. However, there are always people who are like, why don't we try this out? So about a month and a half ago, uh, a man named James Dixon and Kenny McIntosh, one from England and the other from Scotland, and I had a Zoom chat, and they said, we're thinking of putting out another wrestling magazine. Would you be interested in doing a column for us? So I'm back in print now. They've already done two issues. It's 
They're on sale in the United Kingdom. The magazine is called Inside the Ropes Pro Wrestling Magazine. And by issue three, Barnes and Noble and Books a Million have decided to take a chance and distribute the magazines in the United States again. So I'm back in print again. That's after incredible. Nine years of not being in, in print except on OneWrestling.com in electronic print. So, yeah, there's always somebody who might come back and have another idea. Newspapers are dead right now, so to say. But you never know when somebody's going to say, let's try it. So if you're passionate about something, keep with it. <laughs> Even if it looks like it's dead, yeah. it could come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, there's, I think there's something to, to be said about, you know, if you, if you have a passion for it, you're going to find avenues to continue to explore that. Perfectly said. be able to That's, pursue yeah. it. So if it's a true passion, if it's something that you love to do, if, if you are a writer at the core of your being, you're going to find a way, whether it's through print, uh, you know, going back to print, whether it's writing books, whether it's, um, you know, writing edit, you know, voiceovers for video, you know, vi you know videos on YouTube or, or something, you're going to find a way to continue to pursue that and continue to do it. Um, There's you know, another just, trick. There's another trick. Okay, what's that? Popping into my head, so pardon the continuity of non-continuity. That's all right. But one of the things that people, that online writers are always asking me, why hasn't, why haven't I been able to um, reach out and get, let's say, press credentials? I'm working for a magazine. I'm, I'm doing a website and all that. The worst thing you can do, especially early in your career, is anger someone you're writing about. If you're, for example, people in my business, uh, internet writers, will constantly knock or contradict a particular wrestler or promoter for doing something when they've been in, when this person writing has been doing this six or seven months and they're coming across as a good writer, but a wise guy. So I always tell people one of the things when you're writing, you can write and be critical. But if you do it in an intelligent manner, you're not going to tick anybody off. If you write something in a manner that's going to upset somebody, they're not going to want to um, cooperate with you. Again, this is now what I'm talking about if you want to become like a, uh, a reporter journalist mm -hmm. so to say be careful of what you say in writing um because you can end your career with one wrong paragraph that 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 brings up and uh, you know that brings up a thought in my head too is you know i i think one of the things and, and i i have i have written things that um you know i've submitted to teachers and done some things in the past that uh you know i thought were really good and that teacher absolutely shreds it to pieces and uh <laughs> it's absolute garb you know it's absolute garbage and i don't know how you graduated high school without learning how to write an essay and, <laughs> i mean i've actually had i've actually had those conversations but um with the explosion of social media and with sort of that being the avenue by which a lot of people share a lot of their writing um it may it it turns everybody into a critic right yeah, right so, everybody's wise guy and and not and not everybody is a writer is an expert in writing but they're going to critique your writing so for students you know teenagers who maybe haven't had much experience with dealing with constructive criticism how would you what advice would you give them on navigating that type of space and you know, who to listen to for what advice? You need to have um, thick skin to, to write because your teachers, your, um, your mentors, uh, your parents, your family um, are all going to be critical about well, your family not as critical but the, the people that are teaching you are going to be very critical if you can't take criticism uh then writing or journalism probably is not your forte you have to be able to take criticism constructively and if you 
believe that whoever's telling you is wrong, explain it and point out why you did what you did. Because nothing that you write in your mind is ever going to be wrong. So you need to know why they're giving you this type of feedback. And maybe you'll learn something and maybe you can just say, well, this is my style and I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, I think I'm failing you in the course because you. Yeah, no, I I think there's a I think there's a delicate balance too to like understanding who you should be listening to. So if I put some if I'm a writer and I put something out there on Facebook and I get 100 comments, uh, maybe one of those people that commented on it, giving me their critique may be actually a professional writer themselves or, you know, somebody. Wait, wait, it's horrible. Like you said. Yeah, so like you've got 99 other voices that you need to ignore. So how do you decide who to ignore and who not to? Most people who go on, and I'm I'm telling you this from experience, most people that go online to look at something you've written are looking to criticize. Mm -hmm. They're not looking to say, wow, that was a great story. I found, well, at least in my field, I'm finding that people are always looking to tear something apart wanting to know which and most of these people are not people who are um the right people to tear something apart you have to be careful of who you're listening to what i think too like you know especially in the pro wrestling i would think with a lot of things but like it seems to me that there are a lot of egos floating around that those wrestling rings right so to be that flashy and flamboyant and sort of projecting a an image that you want to project as far as the character that you're trying to portray um you know you have to be protective of that and so when somebody sort of tries to navigate that wall or break down that wall with a criticism or critique of that character you know it's going to you know affect your ego a bit um and and the fans of pro wrestling sort of attach themselves to those egos so when you go after, say, a guy like John Cena and say, th- you know, maybe say some things that are not as, you know, complimentary as his fans would like, now you've got not only John Cena maybe mad at you, which you never want that to happen, but you've got his fans oh, and you've got the people that love him and support him that are mad at you now. And so how, you know, a sort of, yeah, thick skin is is it's it's one thing to say that but it's another thing to sort of take a, a you know a, somebody who's just beginning their career and help them to understand maybe which voices are the ones to sort of quiet Absolutely. and Absolutely. which so are don't, the ones to value so don't let all the voices bother you uh, what you need to do again is if you're trying to find your way and find your voice stay consistent to the way you're doing things like i did yeah and I think too, yeah. you've you've had a few mentors I or think. people you've call, called your mentor yeah. throughout you know throughout your career. I've had some some woman tours as well, by the way. Good, good. That's always important to have too. Female mentor. <laughs> you know, so you, you've had people who mentored you, yes, or woman toured, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean. And I suppose those were probably the people like in those times where, you know, you have an entire stadium of people who are booing you, you know, because I think that happened to you once, didn't like an entire, it did. did, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure those are the people you then relied on to, you know, move on the next day and go back to writing um, or just to keep going. Uh, Yes, I did that. But I also found out, and this is going to sound crazy, but I'm looking at this now as in the part of what I do and did as a guy going out and getting a story, no longer with a pen and paper, but with a video camera now, uh, to get a story, whether it be for print or for video. And part of your situation of being a writer is your physical presentation when you're out in the field. Okay? I have... People who are internet writers, 18, 19 years old. Hey, Bill, I went to a show and I told this guy I'm writing for Wrestling Inc. And they just kind of blew me off. I said, do me a favor. Next time you go, wear a shirt and tie. Difference was incredible next time he went. 
mm. the presentation. So if you want to be, if you want to get into journalism in a reporting type of thing, make sure that you you watch your appearance because you'll be amazed. And we found this out at our job as job coaches as well, that the job coach that goes out into the field with a t-shirt and shorts during the summer weather and sandals, as opposed to the job coach that goes out with a shirt and tie and looking and pants, of course, and looking, uh, looking really nice is treated like a professional. So the, as a journalist, the presentation of you has a lot to do with the way people will treat you to garner information from them. It's a very good point. Bill, you've done a variety of different things as far as, you know, uh, print media. Um, can you talk about the difference between the process for maybe writing a column and writing a book? No, I can't. <laughs> uh, yes uh sure of course writing a column um the columns that i wrote were were what i used to call the three dots it was gossip columns like the hollywood gossip columns uh you know john cena was seen uh out with uh, uh bray bella this past week the two have not been going out for months what's going on dot 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 uh kamala recently died uh i went to his funeral dot, dot, dot. And these were my columns were very fast items like this. With a book, you have to decide, of course, in advance what the book's going to be like. When I read a, when I read a book, um, I mainly like to read books that, this will sound crazy, that have no continuity to them, which is the way I wrote my book. My book is a collection of stories, chapters, of my interactions with the people in the wrestling business. We're hearing my voice. I also did the audio book. But doing a column might take you an hour, might take you an entire day or two days. The book was a process over three or four months. It went back and forth to the editors with the editor asking me questions. It's where do you want these pictures? What do you want the cover to be like? Uh, I feel if you're doing a book, you shouldn't just have your hand in the text of the book. You need your hand in the whole creativity, creative process of the book. Work with the with the art department, with the artists, how you'd like this book laid out. What do you want this book to feel like? I wanted this book to, uh, and I know we're on audio, but if this ever gets shown on video, I wanted my book to look like an old wrestling magazine. I wanted colors. I wanted to scream out. So when somebody goes to Barnes and Noble, and even when it's looking like this, it's screaming out what it is. It's very colorful. It's very, but, very colorful. Yeah, so, but the answer to your question is um, it's two different processes altogether. The column is a quick study. The book is an entire long process. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, it makes it's pretty logical. Uh, your column may be. See, Ian, I told you I try to make logic out of this. Four or five hundred <laughs> words. And a book is, you know, thousands and thousands of words. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, obviously this is a career podcast, but I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the whole, uh, I mean, 50 years of pro wrestling experience. I myself, um, until, you know, probably the age of, I don't know, maybe 18 or 19 was a huge wrestling fan. Back in the, um, were you a Hulkamaniac? Uh, yeah, like I got into it like WrestleMania three ish, yeah. uh, with you know Hulk and Andre the Giant and Hulk sort of you know body slamming Andre and 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 oh, that man. whole and then you know it became Hulk and the Warrior you know the Ultimate Warrior and that whole WrestleMania event and then really the sort of the resurgence of it in the late nineties with like stone cold steve austin yeah, the attitude error yeah yeah just the 
you know, and, and the stories and the character and the rock and the big show and, and all these, I, I want to know, and this is my, my own sort of selfish sort of uh, curiosity here of, of all the things that you've been to and all the things that you've seen and, and all the experiences that you have with pro wrestling, has there, has there been one that was sort of maybe life-changing or awe-inspiring that sort of sticks out as that was the moment that I'll never forget? Oh, there are hundreds of them. I'm sure there are. But if I I had to pick one moment, uh, it was probably something. Now, you're talking about physically something in the ring? Yeah, something you were there, something you were there to sort of witness. No, because there is something that was the start of sports entertainment that I'm yeah okay great credited with yes yes so let's you, hear. you know who Andy Kaufman was yeah the com- uh, comedian right well he never wanted to be called a comedian he that's, was the, that's right yeah he, he was a performer okay uh, Andy Kaufman was the star of uh, Taxi the, yes the, the sitcom uh, Andy was selling out Carnegie Hall and. Uh, places all over the, the world with his with his act, but he never did he never did stand up comedy. He would do a very unusual things that people considered comedy. One of them was wrestling girls out of the audience. He he was the he called himself the intergender champion. I was backstage at Madison Square Garden in the uh, in the mid eighties, and he was backstage. And he came over to me. He knew who I was from the magazine. He was a big fan of the wrestling magazine. And he says, uh, um, what are you doing after the matches? I said, well, I'm going back to my apartment in Queens. He said, well, how do you get there? I said, I take the E-train. He said, can I go with you? Now, here's the star of Taxi, the TV show, most popular show in the whole world, riding on the E-train with me back to my little apartment in Queens. We get up there. And we're sitting around. All he wants to do is talk about Fred Blassie and Buddy Rogers. They were his two iconic heroes in the pro wrestling business. And his frustration that he talked to Vince McMahon Sr., Sr., the father of Vince McMahon, that he wanted to get into pro wrestling. And Vince Sr. said, no, we don't do things with celebrities. Our fans here like the credibility of what we do. So I said, you know what? I have a friend in Memphis. He's a promoter and a wrestler. His name is Jerry Lawler. And then he popped, he said, oh, I know who Jerry Lawler is through your magazines. He's broadcaster in WWE currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, they have a very showbiz type of promotion down there. They're out of the box. Let's call them. He says, well, it's one in the morning. I said, it's wrestling. It doesn't matter. We speak to each other all night. So we called Jerry Lawler and he says, you've got Andy Kaufman, the guy from taxi in your roach infested apartment <laughs> i said yeah and i put him on and um the old cliche is this is how it happened that put the key in the ignition andy the next day went down to memphis and that created the first wave of sports entertainment in the world because as you remember and to this day to this day, people still talk about when Jerry and Andy Kaufman were on the David Letterman show. Yes. And how Jerry slapped Andy off the chair and it made all the newspapers around the world. I was the guy responsible for uh, introducing Andy to Jerry. And if you can see on the video version, there is my photo the uh, yeah. with Andy. Where <laughs> you ask of when Jerry Lawler uh, almost broke his neck yeah so uh that's the most that's the moment i'm most proud of in terms of going to matches again it's it's by generation but i think one of the greatest things that i ever saw in wrestling was at wrestlemania when hollywood hulk hogan and the rock went against Mm -hmm. each other because the fans were huge fans of the rock and hogan was coming across as a bad guy. He was a heel at the time. Yeah. 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 See, I still use bad guy and good guy. I'm old school. And, uh, and the crowd 
changed the match. The Rock was supposed to be the good guy and Hogan the bad guy, and they booed the heck out of the Rock. And Hogan Hogan was uh, became the uh, the good guy that night. Yeah, NWO. And I have, unfortunately, because you're not showing video here, um, I have the original headband that Hulk Hogan wore when he won the title from the Iron Sheik right down here in Actors Alley. One day we'll do a video one and I'll give a personal tour. That would be awesome. But yeah, I I grew up also, you had to be 13 years old or over to to, uh, go to the wrestling matches or boxing in New York. The State Athletic Commission was afraid of riots that did happen at both those genres. And um, my father knew a state athletic commissioner who snuck us in when I was 10 or 12 years old. So we used to sit all the way up in the balcony and we would take little eight millimeter movies there. And I still, I have a highlight reel of um, about four or five minutes of that stuff. I do a one man show. Oh, that's the other thing. When we're talking about writing, once you get a book out, you know, you, you've all been to Barnes and Noble and you see that lonely writer sitting there autographing maybe one book every 20 minutes mm-hmm. trying to grab attention. So I decided that I, I don't want to be that guy. So Ian knows about this. Mm-hmm. So I decided since I've always been an entertainer and a performer, that I'm going to put on an hour and a half show based upon my book. And I showed videos of uh, me with wrestlers in the business. I talked about the book. I had a Q and a, it just a, a, an hour and a half of, uh, entertainment based upon the book get your personality out there and become a a writing personality it won't hurt you because once you become known people will request you to sell your book at their venues uh to maybe get a better deal at another book company there's so much going on if you just market yourself now that's the other asterisk i want to talk about when i started with the book company they said we'll market the book for you Okay. So they got me on two or three podcasts. And after a few weeks, it was like, this is going nowhere. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start on Twitter and Facebook. And I'm going to start plugging this book somehow every single night until people know the title of the book is Wrestling Fix. And they're going to answer me. I didn't know it was broken. Cover title. Cover title. (laughs) So I started doing that, and then I got wrestlers to help promote the book with me asking them that. So if you're going to do a book, find a way to market that book where it's going to be in people's on people's radar, because there's a zillion books out of there. So what makes your book different than everybody else's book? Yeah, I was able to grab that through the title of the book that I came up with. Exactly. So you got to grab somebody. You got to grab somebody with something, let's call it a gimmick or whatever. And if it's a book that is intelligently written about World War II or something like that, find something in that book that separates that from the hundreds and hundreds of other books that are talking about that same period of time in history. Good point. So, one of the things that's mulling around in my head, Bill, I mean, you're in innumerable number of, you know, Hall of Fames for your writing, you know, in the pro wrestling industry, um, you know, incredible success. I mean, people know you, um, you got magazines named after you or nicknamed after you. I mean, you know, even, even, you know, people, much younger generations, you know, they recognize you. You know, so it, it gives the perception that you've had, I mean, and you have, by, by no accounts, you've had a very incredible, successful career. But I'm sure that was not a steady, you know, Bill at age, you know, 16 starts out and each year yeah. gets a little bit more success and more success and more success. You know, it's got to have ups and downs. Well, the asterisk here, Ian, the asterisk here is I was very fortunate with Mr. Weston, my mentor, that I worked for his company for 37 years. I worked for the publishing company. I was able to take care of my family, right. medical, dental, uh, childcare, everything. I was hooked up with the publishing company. Once that came to an end, I had to find other ways to do things. Right. 
and maintain this. So how do you weather those low points in life or in your career? Well, maybe not in life, but in your career, how do you weather that to then still come out and still be able to come have people say, hey, Bill, could you publish a book? <laughs> You know what I mean? And still, you know, can you, you know, join our new magazine that we're kind of starting up, you know, nine years after the magazine industry died, <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Or do you well, know? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, first of all, uh, I have a, a mortgage for the rest of my life. So you need to, you need to keep your, um, you need to keep the money coming in. So if you can't do it with your writing and publishing, you find other ways of doing that. I was fortunate to be hired by a head because I always love mentoring people and changing lives of people in a positive way. So that kept part of the financial end coming in. And then I kept alive by working for this website that once the magazines ended, hired me to work for their website at a, uh, a freelancer uh, payment every month. So that helped as well. Was it a shot to my um, writing ego? It was, but I decided you gotta, you want to stay out there. You're the only one who can help you stay out there. Keep making contacts, network. Everybody you need, everybody you meet, no matter who it is, ask them for a business card. Make sure you have business cards made up all the time, no matter who you meet, who you meet, even if you're just a freelance writer, have a business card. I always tell people this. Give everybody a business card. It doesn't matter if they're in a retail store. Hey, I'm a writer, by the way. If you ever need something written about your uh, uh, your little retail store here, contact me. Right. And you have like um, a signature marketing, or maybe not marketing, but networking strategy, I feel. Can you tell us how you kind of network and get yourself recognized and remembered? Well, again, Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. but. Uh, I'm constant on it. Don't do something two days, then three weeks later. Also open up a YouTube channel. Like I said, you have to be out there and advertise yourself on social media. Well, I, I think even one of the things I'm thinking about when I was working with you, you know, you always, it was always, you know, you're not Bill, you're Mr. Bill or your job coach, Bill. Yeah. You always add a little something to, you know, remember job coach, Bill, or, you know, you can say, remember to just kind of something to trigger their memory and kind of remake that connection. It's a them. gimmick. Mm -hmm. It's a gimmick. You have to make, for example, when I go into job coach and I was looking for jobs for people or meeting an employer for the first time. And they'll say, well, it was nice to meet you, Bill. I said, if I ever call you, I'll call you and say, hi, this is job coach Bill. So it separates me from every other bill that you might know. And there's a few bills out there, I think. Yeah, a lot of dollar bills out there. A lot of dollar bills, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, you, you have to find a way to have your identity uh, latch on to people. And the business card way is an easy way to do that. It really is. One of the first things that... I taught my son who works, does marketing at Kennesaw State University in Atlanta, is that have business cards made up even before you have a job. Brandon Apter, writer, marketing. He did it. Yeah. Bill, I mean, we could probably do about a five-hour podcast on just some of the well, at these, maybe, at these pay rates, we can do four and a half. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we'll we'll have to have you back for a part two episode. We can uh, do a little bit more of a deep dive into some of the um, the more more stories, just because of uh, you know me selfishly, I want to hear the stories. I know Ian's probably heard a ton of them, but I haven't. So right, I used to barge uh, into his office, and, but and unfortunately, in the last. Seven or eight months, we have lost so many of the uh, the people in wrestling, even by natural causes, and it's been a very rocky thing to um, uh, to write about. But I, I'm not writing about. It. If you go to uh, the YouTube channel onewrestlingvideo.com, it's the number one. Notice how I slipped that in there. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's marketing. That's what I'm doing. That's right. But if you go to onewrestlingvideo.com, you'll see now that most of my words are uh, being done verbally rather than uh, yeah. paper because I find I'm connecting with more people 
because there's so many people that are doing blogs and everything on uh, um, it's difficult to separate yourself. By the way, that's the I mentioned to you about working for the publishing company. Mm-hmm. Get hooked up with a publisher if you can. Oh, I'm going to I don't want to work in the mailroom of a publishing company. Why not? You got your foot in the door. Any place you can get your foot in the door that has anything to do with any career you're involved in, do it. Well, they only pay $8 an hour. Do it. Get in there. They'll know who you are. Bill, I, 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 you know, on behalf of CCA and all the students here, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk about, you know, your career in journalism and, you know, some giving some helpful tips and, and tricks and advice on for students who may want to pursue this as a career. I, it's definitely one of those things that it has to be a passion project. Um, you know, it, it, you're not a, you're not a part-time writer. You're either a writer or you're not, you know, and, and I think it's, it's important for people to hear that from people who, who have lived it, um, the way that you have, um, by the way, by the way, wake up at three o'clock in the morning, if you have an idea and take out, um, Microsoft word or notepad and put it down. I still do it just to remember things for the morning that I'm going to do a video on. Where can people find you? Like where, if we, if students are interested in checking out some of your stuff, maybe they have a a similar interest in pro wrestling. Where can they, where would they find some of your material? I'll give you that. uh, But even if it's, there's not a similar interest with pro wrestling, the story of how to get out there and market yourself and market what you're doing is the point that I'm trying to get across to become known and separate yourself from everyone else. When my kids were acting in school, I used to tell them, don't be, don't read your lines. Don't be like everybody else. Be a cartoon, be animated, be, be something different than everybody else. That's my advice. You can, I'm on Facebook at Bill Apter, A-P-T-E-R, like chapter, chapter without the C-H. My life has been chapters uh, at, on Twitter at Apter, A-P-T-E-R, one wrestling, number one. And again, the uh, the video portion is onewrestlingvideo.com. Please subscribe. We have about 35,000 subscribers to that. Awesome. And uh, let's end with your book title once more. Well, I'll ask you, uh, Ian, is uh, wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. All right. So I'm going to end this like I always do. First of all, with, um, I want to thank you both and everyone who is listening to this and eventually maybe seeing it on video that I'll see you at the matches eventually. <laughs> thank, well, thank you. you thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Uh, I hope all of the listeners uh, enjoyed this podcast. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who has taken the time to listen to our career episodes. Um, really hope that they're making a connection with you all and can't wait to do the next one. So until the next time, remember that we are CCA.